We've got Fergal Lawler of the Cranberries with us on the Music Universe podcast. What are you drinking, Matt? Cranberry juice, of course. <laughs> nice. Nice one. <laughs> How about you? Uh, actually, it used to be called Kitty Cocktails growing up, but, uh, you know. Well, that's nice little... cranberry red. Yeah. So. Very, uh, very effective for this episode. <laughs> so we're sitting here and we weren't expecting to be sitting here uh, at this time because a little while ago, uh, ahead of schedule, he jumped on and, and you weren't expecting it. And I wasn't ready. So yeah. <laughs> you did it by yourself. Yeah, he uh, he was about a week off, but, uh, you know, we <laughs> went off the cuff, so I wasn't quite ready. But uh, sometimes those are the best interviews. And, uh, you know, we chat about a little bit of everything. Obviously, the band hasn't been together since, you know, Dolores uh, or Reardon died a, a couple of years ago. And, uh, you know, I asked what, you know, what he had been doing during the pandemic. And we're going to, you know, you're going to see that. But uh, just also mostly about their new uh, vinyl. It's a reissue of their greatest hits album called Stars. And uh, it's making its vinyl appearance across uh, two LPs and uh, also talk about his uh, new solo project. And uh, we'll just let him take it away. Fergal from the Cranberries, welcome to the Music Universe podcast. How are you doing from Ireland today? I'm okay, buddy. Thank, thank you. Uh, good. Yeah. All good here. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about your career with the Cranberries, of course, and a new project that you've got out solo. But tell us uh, how the uh, pandemic impacted you guys with uh, any music that you were doing. Um, it, wa it wasn't really a problem because um, obviously we're not touring since Dolores died. You know, that's, um, that's kind of the band uh, as we know it for touring and, and, and recording new music is, fin is finished, you know, in that respect. Um, so we were working on um, uh, a box set for, uh, what was it? Um, no Need to Argue. And also the Stars reissue was coming out around that time. So it was perfect because we were at home and we just had to root through old uh dat tapes uh cds and just demos trying to find bits and pieces that we might have forgotten about um and then getting artwork and stuff together with the record company so you know it was an enjoyable process but yeah I don't know, it makes you feel a bit old when you're going back looking through all that stuff and you see photos of yourself, you know, me especially with long hair, and it's like, oh God, I wish I had that now. <laughs> but um yeah, yeah, it's um it's it's nice to go back over stuff like that. It just kind of reminds you of that time. It's like look, looking through an old photograph album when you know when you're listening to demos and stuff, and the lore sounds so young in them in some of them, and you know, it it's sweet. It's sweet and it's nice that that we have all those memories you know yeah yeah and now the uh star is the best of 1992 to 2002 coming out uh, may 27th and uh, yeah. tell us about that because it comprises it looks like five island record releases and adds two unavailable tracks yeah yeah um those tracks there was 
because Stars initially was kind of like a greatest hits and uh, all the singles we released, we'll say. And there was two extra songs that we recorded, New New York and Stars. Um, and I remember we were on tour at the time and we were in, we had like four or five days off in Miami. So we asked Stephen Street to come over to Miami for those few days and to, to try and um, record these songs. And I, I, I think the fact that we were on tour and we had played the songs live a few times, you know, they were fairly, we were fairly tight or whatever. And we just, I think it bashed them out in two or three days. And it was, you know, just really easy. It went really quickly and they sound great. You know, I, I, I think it was nice to, to give fans something extra rather than just have hear the singles. You know, the singles have all been out there before. So you want to give, you want to be fair and give, give people value for money, I think. So it's nice to put on some extra songs that, you know, they haven't heard before or whatever. Yeah, and it's going to be a reissue on vinyl. It looks like it's a two LP set. Um, yeah. What does that feel like to actually revisit vinyl? You know, thirty years after it kind of died. It's amazing, isn't it? I know it's 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 hard to believe that it's it's made such a comeback. Um, because initially, when I started listening to music, I had vinyl, and we we we'd save up, and you know, a bunch of us, someone would get a record, and someone else would get a record the next month. You know, and and we'd share them and uh, my dad was a big vinyl collector from when he was younger he he was into opera and classical and stuff so he had a room in the house with like wall-to-wall vinyl so yeah it was something that was always around when I was younger but then uh, as I got older CDs came in and I ended up buying a load of CDs and now it's mp3s or whatever but um I still have a, a record deck and I still listen to vinyl occasionally. And there's something about it because you have to get up and turn to the next side and the sound of it, it's wider. It's, I don't know, it's more natural or something. It's amazing. Yeah, and I know that uh, the new vinyls, uh, when they're pressed now, they're like 180 grand. They're like higher quality. So I bet that mm. helps too to kind of preserve the natural sound, but also give you that warmth that people like with vinyl. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, will this only be available on vinyl, this edition with the new songs, or will it also be streaming and CD? Uh, I'm sure it'll be streaming and CD as well. Well, not CD, actually. I'd say just streaming. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure, but don't quote me on that. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, I'd say it, it'll probably be streaming as well, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. And you guys really defined a new alt-rock sound back, uh, you know, in the 90s with Zombie and all your hits. Mm-hmm. What was it like to kind of be on the pioneering edge of a new, I don't want to say genre, but just a new sound, a new motion of music we were young at the time um our early 20s or whatever you know and when you're that age it was just all a big adventure and we, we just enjoyed every minute of it and um we had been touring hard and working hard for a few years kind of before it kicked off so we really uh we were really kind of in our own bubble you know because ourselves and our crew we used to travel around on a bus together and it was like a family you know and and it was a big adventure for everyone and and you know it was just 
really enjoyable. I mean, when you're that age and you're off touring the world, it's it's a dream come true, you know. And um, I don't know I, I think maybe after the second album, we had burnt out a little bit, so we should have taken a break. But we kind of went straight back into the, to the studio and started recording um, to the Faithful Departed, and then back out on tour again. You know, so I think it kind of caught up with us. You know, I think it was like five or six years of non-stop go, go, go. And I think we burnt out a little bit then, you know, and we decided to take a break for a while. Yeah, that, that's got to be a, a toll on your mind to just be constantly on the road and, you know, do this mm. cycle of album tour, album tour. Did you guys... Um, and this is just something as a musician myself, I always like to ask, are you guys a band that used to track things or did you do, you know, the core live and then go through and, you know, overdub oh, stuff? No, um, we do uh, in the studio. Is that our live uh, studio in the studio? We, we'd um, play like we were in a rehearsal room, basically. So we um, record drums, uh, bass, um, kind of rhythm guitar or whatever um and if Dolores had a keyboard part we'd record that and uh, like a guide vocal so we'd record all that we do three or four takes and, and pick the best one and then do overdubs afterwards yeah it's always uh, neat how you know some bands have to do it all live some bands have to track things it's just neat how how all that works out what yeah um, I, I think because the cranberries songs are very dynamic and we'd normally play new songs live a few times. You know, if we were writing on the road, we'd um, be writing a sound checks or whatever and start working out songs there. And then after a few days, we'd say, like, let's throw it in the set tonight and see how it goes just to get a reaction from people. So we, we'd normally have played the song live a few times before going to the studio. So, you know, we had a, a pretty much an idea of what we were doing. So I think that that we'd have to play them live it'd be weird otherwise you know yeah yeah it was always fun to try out new songs in front of an audience and decide okay we want to you know we got the response for this let's go and record this and, and yeah release yeah it. yeah did you guys have um a lot of vault tracks left over from your sessions yeah we usually have a few like maybe three or four songs that would be left over and they would be used for b-sides maybe or um there's a, a, a um a box set of um to the faithful departure coming out at the end of the year and there's a load of stuff in that that we found there were some demos we had done in paris three songs i think um with, with a different producer and we kind of had forgotten about them and then when it came to do the box set something hit me and it was like hold on a second didn't we do some demos and then I was trying to think where it was and we tracked them down eventually and, and they're um, completely different vibe completely to, to what, what is on the album so it's really nice to have stuff like that and then there's um, some, some other bits and pieces of live stuff that hasn't been heard before so it's always nice to, to find little bits like that because 
we forget about them even. And it's like, Jesus Christ, that sounds way different. You know, it's really nice to hear them and to hear different versions and B-sides maybe that you wouldn't have heard for a long time. Yeah, and you mentioned that's coming out at the end of 2022? I think so, yeah. It was supposed to come out last year, but there was some delay with um, uh, vinyl and um, I, I think because first uh, of all, because of the pandemic and then because mm-hmm. of um, the the Panama Canal thing it was all uh, supplies were all delayed oh yeah um, so yeah I, I think that's why it was delayed really yeah that uh, hopefully we're getting on the the side of yeah, all of that your side <laughs> of it I know <laughs> and stuff but um, what was it like for your first time if you can recall coming to the United States and experiencing that crowd live it was amazing, absolutely amazing, because we had just before we came to the States, we were doing a European tour, opening up for a band called the Hothouse Flowers, an Irish band. And um, no one really knew us. We, we had done some touring in the UK, so we were kind of known there. But in, in mainland Europe, like, like Sweden and Germany and France and places like that, not really many people knew us. So, you know, we do our half an hour set and be people wandering up to the bar and in and out or whatever. And then we got a call saying that uh, Linger had taken off in college radio in the States that we needed to go over and do a tour. So we started our first gig and it was like people crowd surfing and this reaction was amazing. And then MTV picked it up and Linger was on constant rotation. It was just insane. We couldn't believe it. We were pinching ourselves. Yeah, just like nothing you've ever experienced over there, right? No, no, no. Was crowd surfing new to you guys then? Yeah, it was. We'd seen it, obviously. We'd seen uh, Nirvana on MTV. We were big fans of of, uh, Nevermind. And we'd Mm -hmm. seen the video of, you know, crowd surfing and Pearl Jam and stuff. And um, so it was like, oh, right, this is the way to do it over here. (laughs) Yeah, I, you know, I don't think they do that anymore, but I don't, I haven't been to like a hardcore rock concert like that in, in forever, but, um, and I did, I went to Metallica recently and I didn't see them doing that. So maybe they've kind of brought that safety net. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. With everything. Everything is, is a little bit too safe nowadays, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Before we get to your own solo project, what is, um, a fond memory that you have with with the cranberries that you just can't ever forget it's just those early days of touring in in the back of a van it's just so funny you know we just had a ball because you know like i said it was a, a big adventure and we were off um touring around the world and just the laugh you know we, we just laughed our way around the world most of the time you know <laughs> because we were early 20s you know full of life and energy and just really enjoying ourselves and and you know working hard i mean we played a lot of gigs um sometimes five and six a week you know and oh. we'd uh you know have a few drinks afterwards and have a laugh and just drive off to the next place and it was just a big a big adventure you know yeah laughter and music just seems like it <laughs> they they heal everything right <laughs> they do, they do. 
Mix that with a little alcohol, you get a little crazier, but <laughs> at least it heals. So I want to talk briefly before we let you go about your new project, All Hope is Never Lost. Tell us about mm. your solo project. It's um, it's an instrumental album. I, I've been into um, doing soundtracks and stuff like that. I, I've been doing soundtracks for documentaries and short films and that for a few years. It's something I've always been into and always wanted to get into, but never really had the time because we were so busy touring and, and recording with the Cranberries and everything. So it was kind of something that was always in the back of my mind, but I never really got around to it until the past few years. And uh, I really enjoyed it. And I was kind of doing like a show reel, I, I suppose. I said, I'll get some, some piece of music together and send them off to directors. And then as it progressed, I kind of, said to myself you know this could actually be an album of instrumental music um and there's lots of artists like tim hecker and ben frost and and people like that who, who i really like you know and they're doing stuff like that and you know it's all instrumental and it really works mogwai and another band like that that i really like and you know i kind of said you know why not make an album out of it and see what happens and you know i, I uh finished recording last year and got it mastered and then decided to to release it myself yeah and it looks like it's uh, available on uh bandcamp yeah yeah is it also on uh streaming and anywhere else i think it is yeah it's on like apple music and spotify and stuff like that yeah and but, it's uh, uh it's described as being ambient. So I bet that's kind of neat to get to play with different effects and really put together some cool, cool sounds. Yeah. Yeah. It takes time, but it, it, it's, um, yeah, it's really enjo enjoyable. And, and, you know, it's something I've been wanting to do for a long time and, you know, the reaction has been really good and people like it. it, it it's, it's dark at times, but, you know, the, Good music is dark. I, li I like a bit of darkness in music. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Makes it feel great, too. Um, and you recorded this at your uh, home studio in Ireland? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a studio here. And I, uh, yeah, I started playing some bits of guitar and stuff that I'd never played before. And, you know, I just experimenting, really. And, and, and it, it worked out. It's, it's really, really enjoyable. So it's a one-man band. It's just you completely? Yeah. Yeah, I had been engineering some stuff for other bands, so I kind of picked up those skills over the years. So I, I did the whole lot myself. Oh, that's awesome. Thanks very much for your support. Well, maybe we'll get a chance to visit with Fergal and uh, drink some cranberry juice while we're over there in Ireland this September. I did tell him we were coming, um, so I don't know if we'll have that opportunity. As we were doing a little back and forth with, uh, you know, trying to schedule this, I offered that as an option i said hey we're going to be over there you know if you guys want to do it in person but uh you know we just had fergal so um it'll be fun and uh you know having a, another drummer on it's always great to chat with them and uh i loved how okay I, I guess glad, i'm glad now that i missed it because you know i third wheeled our Stuart copeland interview and our Rick, no, uh, Rick. No, you didn't. <laughs> no, you didn't. But no, it, it's fun because you get to ask these guys who, you know, they, they have this kind of punk alternative rock attitude on stage, but they're really nice, genuine and sweet off stage like he was and uh, obviously came from us from Ireland there and um, 
really really need to hear some of the stories about what he got to relive you know some of those moments from the first time you know i asked him what is the greatest moment that he remembers coming into the u.s and things like that so really really fun to have him on very very cool well for the music universe podcast i'm matt and um buddy thanks for listening and watching be sure to hit that like subscribe and share button and check us out at the take care